Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, welcome back. Get ready for some awesome. Some 2021 awesomeness. We we want to start the year off right, which means we first got to process what happened last year. And what better person to deal with all the nuance, the intricacies, the mind-blowing revelations that we experience in 2020 then. Mind-blowing. <laughs> Why do I? See, this is, I, I was trying to take the high road here. I was really thinking we would. Mind-blowing. <laughs> do you feel good about yourself, Jonathan? You know what? I, I had one of the things that I wanted to change 2020 after driving back from Arkansas for our, um, what was it? I, preacher, preacher camp, camp um, you know, whatever you want to call that, uh, Arkansas edition, uh, homeschool edition, mm-hmm. whatever you wanted to use. And as Buffalo River edition, yeah, which Buffalo River was pretty nice, but I'm driving back and we literally cross the border on that one highway you guys have in Arkansas and I get into Texas and. <laughs> The highway, it changes. Like it's it's literally like visibly different quality. And then I'm starting to process in my head like all these Arkansas like y- y'all are uneducated rednecks that sort of stuff that some people do, which I wouldn't. I realized at that moment it's like oh it's all money. Like y- y'all just have less resources and less economy and less money, which creates you know education. And then so I felt guilty for making fun of Arkansas because it wasn't just making fun of a geographical area area. area. area but it was making fun of uh, like a group of people that are less financially uh supported and so i felt bad about it and then you come on and make fun of me and it makes me like digress back into that yeah that's that's a real backhanded compliment i guess yeah very very patronizing you know i don't want to make fun of you poor poor people (laughs) because i realize you know you some people just aren't as blessed as those of us who live in Austin, Texas, or well, you, you've always been the mega church guy, and so I've been the humble church planner, just trying to scrape by. <laughs> we met working at a mega church together. <laughs> that's, that's, that's bogus, man. Uh, but yeah, there. But I seriously thought about that over the last couple months, and like, man, I feel bad about making Arkansas jokes now. Not really bad, but like, if if I ever was going to feel bad about, bad like, enough, just bad like enough. I thought about it. And so I don't want to do it unless I feel uncomfortable or nervous, and then I'll just revert back to that. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Arkansas, we're, we're recording this on the day that Arkansas was scheduled to play TCU, Texas Christian, who we're distant cousins with, Restoration Movement-ish. Um, they're they're it, right? they're ish. Oh, right, it's a bright seminary. They, yeah, they that that C is more in just like the the acronym for the school. That's yeah, not. They're Italian the way the Olive Garden, <laughs> or they're they're Christian the way the Olive Garden. <laughs> Italian, right? yeah. Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're supposed to play today, and you have your Arkansas paraphernalia on. I do, but it got canceled. Oh, because of the COVID. Like, COVID. Well, because of TCU, because of the poor people at TCU not being able to manage the actually this is probably too serious to make lots of but i hope everybody's okay i'm just disappointed i don't get to see the arkansas razorbacks beat tcu today and you were bringing up texas versus arkansas so i wanted to say hey at least we can manage our outbreak manage your outbreaks yeah because I, we we were headed to the bowl i think this makes us the victory yeah it's a forfeit 
It's a four. You should still get the W in high school wrestling. If the the other team doesn't have someone to fill the weight class, if it's like a dual meet, you still get a, a W mm-hmm. in your record, even if it's a forfeit. I feel like uh, college football should do the same thing. So you uh, you want to wrestle with Thug Nasty, who is a Cabot <laughs> native, Harding guy, uh, who yells after he beats people. They said it couldn't be done from Arkansas. Yeah. So I think if you if you want to get like really messed up wrestling thug nasty, keep on talking about Arkansas well, for people. A few things it would be considered rolling, grappling, uh not t- traditional wrestling. Uh and I said I would like to in the same way that some people like to um like ride a bull or something. Like this animal will dominate me, but it's a fun experience to have in the few few seconds before you almost die. Uh so yeah, like that <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I want to I want to get him to have you tap out to Arkansas is better than Texas. Uh, honestly, this is a world class athlete who could do that with just about ninety nine percent of the world's population. So it is not a uh, big insult on me. So anybody listening, any any um, Arkansas friends, Harding friends, people that know Bug Nasty, let's get Luke to wrestle our. Roll, yeah, whatever. It's a different sport, but yeah. Uh, with Thug Nasty and get him to tap out by saying Arkansas is better than Texas. Yeah. And then we could put it on the podcast, right, Luke? Yeah. Like we can just replace the. Get ready. F- get ready for some awesome. Yeah. yeah. We could just do that of me crying out for dear life because this <laughs> UFC fighter <laughs> is about your to. emergency word. Yes. <laughs> my, my safe word is I love Arkansas. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's that. Uh, yeah, can I tell you one of the things that I love most about 2020 is when we, no, this might have been 2019, like two years ago when we were doing the recap, is uh, when we were talking about Christmas, you said, Luke, what did you ask for for Christmas? And I think about that very often as a question that most grown people don't say to each other, but you still do, and that really warms my heart. Yeah, I, I do that all the time. I already asked you, right? What'd you get for Christmas? I th- you did ask me that question. We were, <laughs> and maybe that's why it reminded me. Um, so, would you like to talk about that? I got a, a Taylor guitar for Christmas. Really? And I have been, yeah, I've been uh, just practicing scales, <laughs> and uh, my my daughter got a cello. Oh, nice. Joel got drums. Um, Samuel got a guitar and football cards, and um. Really, every one of our kids' gifts, Leslie was making fun of me, because I tend to be the Christmas shopper in the family. Oh, really? Every one of the kids' gifts, if they misbehaved, would just go straight to me, because <laughs> I love everything that they got. <laughs> that's that's a very strong dad move, where you get stuff knowing oh, that you is. could enjoy just as much. Yeah. I got Eden a, uh, um, a first-century Caesar Augustus coin um, that, like, you can see the the like face of Caesar barely. I got it on eBay for like 20 bucks huh. and she, she collects coins. Um, That's pretty cool. But it's, I wanted to give it to her on Christmas day. Cause in the days of Caesar Augustus, yep. You yeah. know, like this is a historical thing that we're celebrating. And, um, anyway, I figured you'd just get him a bunch of screens, like more, uh, iPads or <laughs> after the Andy Crouch podcast, maybe you're inspired to <laughs> double down on that. <laughs> you are such a jerk, man. So I was, I was listening to that podcast because I tried to get Andy to zoom with me for Pleasant Valley mm. 
and additionally Harding, because I actually think um, you know Harding and the churches of Christ that are around here are more connected to acapella music. And I actually think the strongest argument for acapella music came from Andy Crouch, not from the Nadab and Abihu story. I think that gives you a bad way of reading the Bible and a bad way of yes. thinking of God. But when Andy, so, you know, at Highland, I had Andy come in. He was excited to hear the acapella, uh, had a few comments about that. But then when the the instrumental service came, I asked him his take on it, and he said, people are singing a little normal, little more than in most churches I go, but I see a lot of people standing and swaying, so you need to keep an eye on that. Uh, make sure, and, and I did. Ever since then, I would get up probably 10 times a year and say, man, I love to hear you sing. We, we started dropping out the instruments more. Give, uh, give us his because of, thumbnail take on that, acapella singing. Um, embodied, embodied, like, uh, so you, you have a, we have a world where we can just hit play on music from the highest caliber, uh, musicians in the world. Yeah. Um, and we just kind of passively receive or enjoy entertainment instead of like, um, embodying and like, you know, singing is one thing that everyone can do, not at the same level, but even the experience of incompetency help shape your soul in good ways. Like practicing the scales on the guitar right now, I realize I am not the master of the universe that my pride would like me to think I am. In the same way that like when you try to sing with other people, there's both a transcendence of it, but also a, I can't hit that note. Hmm. Um, and acapella music does not have technology undergirding it where people have to, the church has to show up to do it. Hmm. And so I actually think that's one of the best, I remember him talking to him after he came to Highland, and I'd made this big push for Highland to go instrumental. I, I love instruments, I love instrumental worship. But I remember after that conversation with him thinking, this is one of our tribe's strengths if we did it for the right reason. And... Have it. Does that make yeah, no, sense? No, no, no. It makes sense. I think it, it's more of Amish. Yeah, it is. It is definitely Amish. And, uh, you know, Andy is definitely bordering on being a Luddite. And he's also he heavily, sure. like, musically uh, influenced. Like, his family is a family of. Confident? Hmm? Yeah, it's a very prominent part yeah. of his life. And I think the the piece that he's missing is that most or there are many families that are not as musically proficient. There are many families that they didn't ask for a cello and a new guitar for Christmas. And the idea of doing something which they haven't done in years is so uh, like intimidating that like, the, like I don't want to be a part of that because that's just too oh, much. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there's, so the flip side of my Ted talk would be this. And this is the stuff I say all the time to CFC people. Um, and so normally, if I'm just having a conversation one-on-one -on -one like this, I say it just like this. I care so much about people who are not church people, who are, you know, there's a sign up on the church building. They might show up one Sunday, just, you know, like New Year's resolution. I'm going to do something different in 2021. And having an acapella service the way that most churches of Christ have it, which is just one dude standing up there you know, doing the hand movement because we, we think Peter, Paul, and John must have done it. Um, 
is it it's like saying to outsiders, hey, we're glad you're here. Come on in, take a seat, make yourself comfortable, take off your pants and enjoy this, you know, <laughs> like it's the take off your it, pants. It, and we don't even realize right. We don't even realize how uncomfortable it is when everybody around us knows what they're doing and you don't. You just feel like you're totally highlighted. It's yeah. it, it's like yeah, you, you ever watch Arrested Development? Yes. You remember that time when Michael Jr. goes to Ann's house church or whatever, and everybody's singing, and Michael Jr. is just like trying to <laughs> sing along, but it's... <laughs> I don't remember it, but I can imagine. Well, no, I, I like I've literally lived through the church plant. Yeah, it's not church. a house church, but a, a smaller church plant where there's so much pressure. You can't hide. The singing is uh, like it's it's very outsider exclusive. And anyway, yeah. So uh, anyway, Andy Crouch, you loved him. He loves talking about uh, music. And uh, they would let you know that I, they watched the Phillies when they were at their grandpa's house. And so they, too, are sports fans. Um, <clears throat> they, that was the, their TV show. Yeah, that was the, we watched the TV for the Phillies. So there you go. I can't believe you brought up again my deep, dark shame with picking him up. <laughs> Well, I, part of what the podcast uh, is trying to communicate is y- you get to pick the future for your children. Do you want them to be a published yeah. author as a 19-year-old or <laughs> or not? And there's that. Well, apparently, we've chosen poorly. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say you have. I was just, it's more really for the listeners, not anyone uh, specifically in the, the podcast right now. I, I, Amy, Amy Crouch is sharp, yeah. man. Like, I got the impression she's, like, very grown up. Yeah. She did not seem like she was out of uh, her depth talk. Well, maybe maybe it's the podcast level. Mm, uh, yeah, just such Dude. a good host that it incorporates everyone. <laughs> uh, l- let me say, for the record, two of my daughters are downstairs on their uh, screens playing Roblox while I am doing the podcast. <laughs> so I, I feel like I need to put that on the table. Like, you know, I'm... For this, but like I'm not like a crazy for this person. <laughs> I'm for this. Yeah, so like it's warm, but I don't want yeah. to be too warm. Uh, so just kind of like right in the middle. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. Which the Bible always I, I do think speaks after, highly of lukewarm yeah. stuff. I think after 2020, reading my TechWise family and TechWise, my TechWise life is a good discipline for people to, you know, because. We had to get on a lot more screens just by necessity yep. um, this year, and I don't. I I think don't you think that we have a we've hit a spot where we realize how it doesn't feel yes. the same. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. I, I I hope what we've learned from how much time we're on screens right now is we're having to do screens for things that we're not used to doing screens, and we know that it's a mediocre replacement for it. It's not good enough, and that right. should translate into the other things that we're already accustomed to doing on a screen and realize like this mm. isn't what it's supposed to be. We see it very clearly with the 2020 changes, like all the meetings, all the Zooms, all that. Um, but all the stuff that we were doing already in 2019 that was on our screen 
it should remind us like you're used to that. You're accustomed to that in the same way that we're somewhat accustomed to doing zoom right now for everything. Uh, but it's not the right ver. It's like, it's not doing what it's intended to do. And our level of comfort and its sense of normalcy with us, uh, should be, I think maybe put on notice and go, eh, maybe let's let's reassess the entirety of our screens because we are aware of like the 20% of our screen stuff that we're doing now that it just doesn't seem right. I think I was thinking about this earlier today because we have a, a, a friend who today is her birthday and they're staying the night at our house. And I, I was thinking about it is one thing to write on someone's Facebook wall, happy birthday. And it's a very, very different thing to show up to the party. Yeah. And I think technology has seduced us into thinking, if I write on the wall, I don't have to show up to the party. And it's just cotton candy, man. It's not real. All that stuff is in, you know, database closets in North Dakota <laughs> somewhere. It's not real. Yeah. Yeah. So that's obviously... And yeah, it's not real. It's obviously one of the things I think most of us have taken notice of in 2020, if we haven't already become too accustomed to it. But uh, obviously our connection to screens, uh, I would say like there, the year 2020 has been a year that I have personally experienced more change and more, um, uh, like maybe dissatisfaction with things that I was accustomed to in the, in previous years. And obviously we're going to look back uh-huh. on 2020 with social distancing and COVID-19 as a year that, Hey, we, we remember that. Like we will tell our grandkids or kids about this year because it'll be one that stands out. But when I think back on what it is, I'll, I'll go to the place of this was a year when I changed a lot of the ways I think on things that um, mm. like, I, I just had, can you give us a couple of examples? Well, I, I think I, schedule. Yeah, I mean schedules. I, I've always been a heavily routine person, and you know, after doing this for just a little while, like I got a new routine and stayed with it. But I, I feel like I'm more dissatisfied with the division and the acrimony that has just become the normal form of communication online. And our mm-hmm. willingness to scapegoat the other person and to, mm-hmm. to throw out like these, like really over the top, uh, like we love the Hitler comparison. We love, like we, we compare people to Hitler who, it seems like we've forgotten what the Holocaust was. Like we, we, when we're using <laughs> Hitler to yeah. describe someone who hasn't killed millions of people and, and, and led a genocide, it seems that maybe we've just kind of gone a little bit too far. And sure, sure. Who who are we talking about? Who aren't we talking? Yeah, kidding. yeah. Who, who aren't we talking? <laughs> I've, I've well, Hitler. here's the thing. I have used the Hitler comparison this year for someone politically, and I got my wife and best friends were like, "Come on, dude. Yeah, Come on." Like you were being dumb. Like that's so, just the truth. You were being dumb because uh, right. I was. Whoever I, it was. I, I, I don't know who you'd be that upset about, whoever cut out the camo supply at Walmart, maybe, but um, I, <laughs> see, there's an Arkansas joke. I was, I don't know why I went there. Um, you can't lie. But w- if you go online, all you see is that everyone hates each other, that one half of America hates uh-huh. the other half of America. But when you have normal interactions with people outside of that, you realize 80% of people 
are not the ones who are doing the terrible behavior that you see over and over again online. But what you see, 80% of people are like just trying to do the best they can. And they might see things differently. They might think that the solution to some substantial problems um, are, are different than your solutions, but they're not like the enemy that we have gotten so accustomed seeing them as. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, one of the things that it, it's important to realize after election years is that billions and billions of dollars have been poured into uh, pulling people yep. apart into two different sides. Yep. And the more one group spends, the more the other group spends. And there's a lot of truth, but a lot of mis- misinformation and a lot of half-truth. And, um, you know, moving back to central Arkansas uh, coming from one place, you know, thinking about things politically one way. And then all of a sudden being around all my friends and family who listened to different media sources than I had listened to for years. Uh, And, and, you know, being at their house while they're watching those media sources, kind of like, huh, you know, I bet they've never, I bet the group of people I hung out with in Abilene never, never heard, this guy, because I always heard this guy parroted as a, you know, can you believe what he said or what, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So media, I, I, I realize that David French, who's a conservative, never Trumper. Yep. Uh, Nashville guy, right? Disciple of Randy yeah, Harris. Nashville. Yeah. Uh, but Randy Harris taught him like uh, in Lipscomb. Anyway, David French was, is asked all the time, like, how could people in, uh, you know, red states of America vote for Donald Trump? And he said all, often, if you consume the same media they do, you would think like yeah. they do. The same way if you consume the same media that you do, you know, and, and that just made me realize that how much I have been discipled by the New York Times and my family members have been discipled by. So we're, we're not even having actual conversations. It's the media that we're yep. consuming. We're that, parodying, we're, we're parodying those takes that we yeah, read yeah. there. Early in uh, the COVID uh, you know, world, there, one of our friends was saying, yeah, at this point, it's all just um, – uh, you know, psychology and people are, you know, really, there's not really an issue about whatever. Um, and I think, you know, 300,000 people's lives being lost, uh, including, uh, I have one person now that I knew from Highland who passed away, uh, who was in our small group when I was in oh, yeah. uh, grad school. Oh, yeah, really? We were in, uh, with the rigs, obviously they talk about online. Um, I love Mark. Um, I, I was yeah, devastated. Debbie's yeah. a, uh, you know, a, a wonderful woman who's now a, a widow. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's yeah. a terrible loss. Um, but there's some people who are going, well, you know, there's supposed to be 3,000, excuse me, 3 million or 2 million people that were going to die as originally prognosticated in America. And it's not that. And so, you know, let's just move on. Let's just think X, Y, and Z. But you you still have people who are hearing things that are telling them there's going to be 2 million people that are still going to die. And this is a couple months into to the social distancing. And so you have one group that says, oh, we've, we've figured out that it's going to be a fraction of that, so it's not a big deal, um, you know, which is a little bit callous way to say it to those 300,000 people. But then you have other people who are thinking it's going to be 10 times worse than that. And you, yeah, yeah. which one is right? Like, obviously, in hindsight, we'll be able yeah. to tell who's right. But in the moment, like you said, we're parroting information that we heard from someone and they're parroting information from the other yeah. person. And so it's just like, man, all we're going to do is see them as 
the Hitler or the villain or the calloused or mm-hmm. the, you know, uneducated or whatever. And it's just like, guys. And you sprinkle some fear in there yeah. and you get hate. Yeah. I mean, but 80% in the middle. It's been pretty divided. But 80% in the middle are not like yeah. it. And I think that's the best thing that church can offer is that we can be a group of people that has political diversity that rallies together about a higher commitment and we can show each other, wait, this person isn't the villain. This person isn't the villain. You see this different, but we can somehow be messy in our community because we see things different, but we have a higher commitment. And and one of the things that I see about uh, so many pieces that come out is it's really like, like for example, the stuff about uh, people on the left criticizing people on the right who minimized COVID. And so they said, you know, it's not a big deal. And, you know, it's overblown. It's not that, you know, 100,000 people aren't going to die. There's going to be 10,000 people or whatever. And then all of a sudden, these political figures who've been so vehement about how not a big deal this is are getting the vaccine. And so you have people on the left going, how dare you get the vaccine instead of giving it to, you know, healthcare workers and uh, medical professionals like my wife? Um, How dare you do that in front of them? And, And to me, it's just like, guys, like, the reason people are showing pictures of them getting vaccines is they're trying to normalize this as a self, a safe, healthy thing that everyone should do. And if you can't let the people right. on the right who've been minimizing this show their followers, hey, this is something we should all do, we're not going to get to the end result that we need from the vaccine. And it's almost like, guys, why can't, why yeah, can't we right. just... Everybody's anti-COVID. And this is the thing, like, uh, in, in our politics, I think most... Like, for example... Nobody is pro-abortion. I, I don't. I don't think there's a lot of pro-abortion people. Like the high majority of people are not like it's, pro-abortion. Yeah, I mean, right, right. you do have Nobody's like some pro-poverty. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like what what happens in the election cycles, and particularly in 2020, is you start thinking these people don't. They might not put it as a priority, and they might have different strategies on how to end it. Like I think historically, and I'm not a Democrat, I vote for Jesus of Nazareth, but historically when Democrats are president, abortion rates go down. I think that's true. Um, I mean, they, there's all kinds of reasons yeah. that Republicans would vote you know, the way they do because of pro-life, but still, like it's, it's different strategies to get there versus, so you can... Yeah. I, I think I may have shared this on the podcast before, but a few years ago, uh, I heard on This American Life about how some pro-life and pro-choicers, when it was just really vitriolic between them, um, started having quick, quiet meetings. Yeah, yeah like, I remember talking about Did I tell you about yeah, that? Yeah, I remember talking about it. Uh, anyway, so they were just trying to build a bridge, and, and a lot of great, actually, strategies came out of that to reduce abortions and support young uh, women who were pregnant. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely anyway. – um, uh, so that's obviously one thing that I will look back on and say this this changed in 2020 for me is yeah, I think my concern of the powers and principalities of our media these like in this present time and how it shapes our perception yeah. that doesn't always meet up our reality of what happens when people are actually in rooms around tables together and whether it's a silent meeting or whether it's a acapella singing service or an instrumental, like whatever, like get people in the room and you'll realize they're not the villain that you thought, thought they were. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say another thing that has changed, I think this year has been, you know, my commitment and my connection to gratitude. 
I was uh, huh. I was out. Uh, yeah, that's my good. my wife's aunt and uncle have this uh, ranch about an hour north of Austin, and so we were out there. And uh, my brother in law, my sister in law, my wife, and my daughters were all staying in one room, separate beds. Um, just for the record, and like I know. In Arkansas, you guys do that different. Sorry, couldn't, couldn't resist that Arkansas <laughs> joke. Um, but so like, no shock. Like I'm not sleeping super well that night in a bunk bed with my brother-in-law snoring above me. And so like, I, I it's like four in the morning. I, like, I, I'm like, I can't sleep. So I, I get up and I go out and it's, uh, you know, surprisingly cold day in Texas, like, you know, 40 degrees or 30 degrees or whatever. And so I'm like, oh, we, I need to get the fire going. But there's only uh, like big pieces of wood and like the fire's gone out from the night before. And so I'm like, how am I going to start a fire? Because like, I know a lot of people look at me and they're like, oh, that's like, that guy obviously was a Boy Scout. Like he, he's, he's Eagle Scout material. That's what people look. Who, who looks at you? I think a lot that? of people, the people, like a lot of the listeners just assume that. Yeah, listeners would look at you. Listeners <laughs> would think a lot. Of, just it, just a lot of people are talking. <laughs> he looks like a voice. A lot of people are talking, and they're like, you know what, that guy, yeah. MacGyver, and, and everybody. Knows Every- <laughs> that's the Donald Trump. <laughs> I'm I'm a Boy Scout, and everybody knows it. A lot of people are saying. A lot of people are saying. But so I'm like, oh, I got to get this. So how do I do this? And so I'm like. Oh, I need to get some like small sticks to get this thing going. And I think like, where can I find small sticks? I'm at a ranch in like the middle of nowhere. And I'm thinking there's probably not a whole lot of sticks outside. Yeah. And so I like, I walk outside, get my phone to be the light. And there are literally sticks all over the ground because I'm in the middle of nowhere on a ranch. Like there's sticks everywhere because you know what? I'm out sure. in the middle of the woods basically. But until I started looking for them, I wasn't aware that they were there. And for me, like uh, gratitude yeah. this year, I've started to create this practice of it. You've heard me talk about it before, um, of like every day, like finding things I'm grateful for. And I think gratitude is the practice and the fruit of that, like the harvest is joy. That once once, once right. you start, yeah, every once you start time. looking and practicing gratitude, it always creates the byproduct of joy. Yeah. Dude, I love it. I love it. I, I think, uh, I think it is the, if, if people tell me they want to be happy, you know what G.K. Chesterton used to do? Well, he, he would write about Father Brown, how he would go up to people who were <laughs> uh, he would go up to people who were like miserable and he would point a gun at their face <laughs> and then click the thing. Yeah, this is a fictional oh, th- thing. Th- but That sounds like a pastor in Texas somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah. yeah, sure. But he would pull the trigger with it being unloaded. And then say, now enjoy your life. <laughs> because you don't enjoy stuff until you realize what a gift yeah, it yeah, is. You're, right? You're not entitled to the next yep. day. And like people who have near-death experience can attest mm-hmm. to this. Like, what if I would have, you know, what if that car didn't stop at that? Yep. You know, like, the, it, and, and you just don't, you start going through life with entitlement. Yep. Uh, and, and entitlement it's the enemy of yeah. joy. Yeah, you, so yeah, I love yeah, that. You, you miss what's love right it. in front of you. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, one of the things. I, have we talked about Carl Lentz in the podcast? Like since everything we did last we? time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I brought it up immediately. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You did. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. But the line of like that that uh, you know someone you've been dealt a good y- hand. Yeah, you, you've been dealt a good hand and you played it wrong. Like that. I I, I yeah. think that's. You know, gratitude is a way to yeah. be grateful for whatever hand you've been dealt. 
And whether it's a great hand, mm-hmm. a good hand, a decent hand, a mediocre hand, or a bad hand, you still have a hand. Like, you still have a life in front of you. How are you going to play it? You still get to choose how you're going to respond. And the people who inspire the world the most are not the ones who've been dealt the good hand, and, no. you know, you know, but it's the people who somehow find ways to be grateful in spite of, no. not because of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, they're... To be fair, I'd rather play anyway. a great hand, like, okay, than uh, sure. like be dealt a terrible hand and play it really well. Like, I'm just going to be, like, I don't need to to be that great of a person, but, you know, whatever <laughs> whatever hand you're dealt. Yeah. I think one, one thing that every pastor is saying is that this has not been, seems like it hasn't been a good hand dealt to churches the way that we've had to uh, pivot to what church is like. When you think mm-hmm. about what's going to be different with church going forward, when you think of like 2020 as a catalyst for things being different in the future, what do you think is, is going to be sure. changed because of this? Um, I think that churches all over the world are going to be, uh, especially in America are going to be smaller mm-hmm. and I hope healthier. That's a weird, because yeah, that's I a weird do connection think, there. No, it's weird ahead. to say it's smaller, but healthier. Well, I, I think that one of the things this accelerated was, um, the cultural kind of country music Christian, <laughs> you know, like, well, this is kind of what I do on Sundays. You know what I mean with country music Christian, yeah. right? Like, uh, there are so many country songs where the first verses are like, and, and then I took her to bed, and then I went to the bar, and then I, and then on <laughs> Sunday morning, we woke up and went to church. You know, I don't know. That's a horrible song. This is why I don't listen to much a country. Lot of yeah. Examples Oh, uh, really? Uh, listen to that, Austin. Texas. No, I've been actually listening to a little bit of country so, recently. But but your point is... <laughs> you're going to... No, I'm, I, I, yeah. I've really actually been... Anyway, whatever. Um, but you're saying... So, I think it's going to get rid of that. I think that um, the bar for what it means to go to church is going to be raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least at Pleasant Valley, I think it is. Um, I think that... Um, the cultural accelerant that has been 2020 will make people uh, realize, like, hey, we don't have to mm-hmm. do this. This is an option. And the people who are left, I think, will be able to say, all right, then let's be, let's be good for the world. I think less consumerism and more a church for the world, not a worldly church. So if, and again, I love this, country music Christians, uh, all you Florida Georgia Line fans out there, that's Jonathan taking taking yeah. attack at you. Um, oh, I don't like Florida Georgia. But you, you know, they, they have a dumb song called Holy, where they sing Holy, Holy, Holy about uh, high on loving you. It's like... So freaking black. Well, Justin Bieber and Chance the Rapper have a song called "Holy," um, which I assume is the, uh, yeah. the the pop version of that. Nevertheless, the so when church loses country music Christians, as you call them, somehow it becomes healthier because the the cost is higher because you're you're choosing to be there. You've gotten out of the routine of just doing this, and now you have to make an intentional decision. Like this is what I'm going to be, and so the church is healthier because that sort of consumer, hey, it's what I want to do. This gives me something that just checks a box. That's what it makes church healthier. I think we have in American Christianity 
for a long time been shrinking the tower. You know, Jesus talks about how nobody before they, no person before they build a tower doesn't yep. count the cost, yeah. right? And I would, I would say that we've been, yeah, Jesus says love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, but I, I, I might pray for them to get shingled <laughs> or get audited, but I'm not going to pray for the, those people. You know, and so we one one thing at a time shrink the tower of what Christianity yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And we we make um you know, a lot of it is parents nervous about their kids not getting baptized or something by the age of fourteen and and so they yeah. you know what I'm saying? They they try to get them to inherit it by a religious ritual, um, versus actually sign up for becoming like yeah. Jesus. And I think that it, that part is what I'm talking about with country. Yeah, so it's the like the people. It's who, the thing. I want to get my kid baptized by 14 so that I know if right, something happens, right. they're going to go to heaven when they die. And the gospel has been reduced to just right. you know eternal, something in, like that. eternal you know life insurance kind of stuff, where it's just about getting to heaven when you die. Yeah. And it doesn't have a call, for, which is a great thing and a huge part yeah, of it. Nice, um, but but also like, do you want to be the kind of person that? Is before the living God unrestrained yep. forever? Because that's, um, I don't, you know, we're from the Anabaptist tradition, and the question the Anabaptist asks, who should, who should be saved? Well, the people who want to be. The people who, you know, want to, because I, to quote Dallas Willard, uh, the flames of heaven will be hotter for many than the flames of hell. Like a lot of bitter, lust-filled, greedy, self-centered Christians would be miserable before the presence of an unrestrained God. That's how Dallas mm. Willard says it. Um, so the, the the task of discipleship is by the grace of God to become the kind of person now that fits into then, and I think that kind of person shines in the world and. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said the most miserable people are the ones who have uh, are mediocre disciples mm. that are just barely committed enough to Jesus uh, that they know that what they're doing <laughs> in the world isn't who they're yeah. called to be. Like, uh, and I think that's true. I think this will accelerate that. And that churches, you know, for example, like I'm having to defend with post-Christians and nuns all the time, the actions of, of the church, you know, and, and most of them are like, that's not like Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm not trying to say Jesus would have voted this way or treated the poor this way or, yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. I, I saw this tweet that been, that's going around way too much, where there's a pastor who's saying that, uh, you know, we have the First Amendment, which protects us to worship, and we have the Second Amendment to protect us in case the First Amendment isn't upheld. And we're like, did you you just threaten to shoot people if they don't let you worship because of, you know, social distancing policies that you don't agree with? And you're you're just like, wow. Well... That's a constitutional passive aggression. Yeah, I'm like, wow. The hey, we'll shoot you if we, we can't do church. That's a new move. That is a very 
Very new move. Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine like the early Christians going. Just like Jesus yeah. Christ. Just like Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, the Christians who are martyred because of this, they're like, you know what? I, I yeah. get it. You know, you can't do church inside the way you want to. So kill people. That's That, that all adds up. That sounds yeah. right. That sounds like, uh, who's the guy who got burned at the stake? Uh, and they, he stood in the flames, like first mm-hmm. century. Pliny? Yeah, it wasn't Pliny. It was some, oh, anyway. How am I so, forgetting this? Early Christian martyr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just, I can't imagine him standing in the flames, being like, "Don't let them take your gun." Well, imagine the imagine the woman whose uh, story is recorded in the Book of Maccabees, where she has like seven sons who are fried to death in a pan like they're bacon because they won't eat pork, and her going, "You know what?" I think you should start frying people. You know what? This is pretty bad for me and my family. Uh, I want you guys. Now the Mac. <laughs> yeah, actually they, they would. That's they a church were, history joke. Yeah. They were. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's a that's deep, a deep one. Uh, so what do you think is going to be different next year? Like, what do you, what do you hope 2021 does because of Well, I've been texting my friends in First Australia. Point. be like, Hey, so it's all fixed now. Like it goes back to normal. Right. <laughs> Right, we were, it's all back the way it was. We're all good. Uh, obviously, without hope, I, I would love for uh, for us to find a way to deal with uh, COVID and healthy. Like every, everyone, obviously wants that. Um, mm-hmm. We want ways for uh, for for people to not experience what that uh, the, the Riggs family, which we mentioned earlier, what they've they've got. We want we want that to be eradicated. Obviously, yeah. What I'd also love is. For there to be a level of decency and civility in our discourse, I would really love mm-hmm. us to do that, and I would love for us to to have the wisdom to look past the game that we're being drugged into, the game of who's right, us or mm-hmm. them. Like, l- let's have some discernment. Go, okay, they're just doing what they're doing. Like, if if, if you're writing uh, an editorial and you work for Fox News or you work for MSNBC, like w- we know this is just hey, this is how a conservative to sell a liberal views this thing. What if Christians said, whenever we're going to view something, it's not going to be the lens of right or left, but it's going to be a kingdom of God perspective. And so it's going to have this unique angle that like people come to expect it's going to be different. It's not going to be left or right, but it's something unique and peculiar about who we are. What, what about you? Love it. I mean, I, I would love, um, I, I think, I think a lot about this when, you know, making new year's resolution goals. And, um, a lot of it for me has to do with what kind of husband and dad I want to be next year. Uh, you know, when, when speaking engagements that haven't been canceled. (laughs) Tell me about those. I I don't know what that's uh, like. Yeah. I I, I haven't like been in. Oh no. Yeah. I don't know what that's like. That's been so long for you. since speaking engagements actually happened. So I, I have, yeah, so that, yeah, right. Like the ones that I'm looking at right now, it, uh, did, uh, Harding, I'm going to speak at Harding I saw that. Chapel That's very exciting. April, which is really cool. Yeah. So that one hasn't been canceled. Um, but uh, you know, like I think next summer I'm supposed to do some things yeah. if it's so still ha- happening. That got moved and so you're processing this as a dad. But well, here, yeah, I, I realized that I don't, I don't need to do that stuff most of the time. Mm. Like there's, there's four or five other people out there who could do it better or just as well as I could, but they can't be my kid's yeah. dad. 
And in my early 20s or mid-20s, uh, I needed, you know, to get some – and I just realized this last year. I don't want to put everything back in that was in there before. Um, and I hope for people who are people of the King Jesus that they would listen to this and consider. So Richard Beck has a new book coming out in March called Hunting Magic Eels, and it's really, really good. But his big premise is that the faith crisis that we are in in the Western world is not a crisis of faith. It's a crisis of attention that you are the sum, basically, of what you choose to pay attention to. And the because God is not a primary focus of our attention, it becomes heavier and heavier to sustain faith um, in, a, in a secular mm-hmm. world, in a secular age. And one of the things I would hope that most of us who care about Jesus and being like him would do is try to figure out routines as we have a bit of a blank slate that we can attend to God more. Tra- you know, be silent Give me practical God. examples of that. Well, I mean, for some people it's going to be uh, reading Scripture, being washed by the Word, um, fasting, uh, have daily contemplative prayer, um, you know, the, the, the silence and solitude which doesn't sound like a great thing right now, but as we go back into 2021, you know, there's, there's, you know, reducing screen time and raising up time that you are going to sit and attend to God, uh, maybe reading some spiritual classics or, or things like that. Books on spirituality. <laughs> yeah. Like Dominion mm, by Tom Holland. Or, right. How to start nope. a riot? Is that? Are you endorsing Definitely how to start not. a riot? <laughs> are you endorsing? Yeah, there it is. That's a good one. That is a good one. <laughs> That'll fix all your issues. So as as we re-enter life, that's going to look different. Let's process what we're putting in. Let's not be so quick just to put in what we used to do. And obviously for you and me, like yeah. the stuff on the road, like traveling, speaking stuff, which in your defense, you usually bring a kid with you wherever you go. So there's something that sure, your thoughts have been picking up along the way that, hey, this is a, this can be a very unique time or this can be a time that I, you know, I'm just away from my family. And you've, you set a really good precedent that I've followed. Like I've imitated what you've did, you know, taking my kids. And so they're like, hey, they're like, hey, Dad, when do we go on a trip again? And hey, when when's that trip? Sure, when's yeah. the trip rescheduled that you know we had to cancel back in May? Um, because you know that's important. But I think that there's some discernment that we could do. Of all right, let's think through what we want to do when we're when we're coming back to uh, to normal life after social distancing and and also friendship. I think uh, friends. Yeah, I think putting. A high premium on friendship, higher premium than it has been. And I don't know about you, but I had friends reach out to me who I haven't talked to in a decade um, over the last nine months. And just, man, I'm, I'm sad we drifted apart. And uh, I, I think a lot of people are recalibrating like that part yeah. of life too. Yeah. Well, whenever I think of traveling, I always think, I, I want to do this partly because it's a chance to be with friends and 
that's one of the big filters for mm-hmm. when I think about if I'm going to be away from my family, I want to be investing in people that like these are people I don't have a top 10 list of friends because I'm not weird like you. But I do think of like the inner circle of people that I'm covenanted. Okay, so it's basically the same thing. Um, like these are people that I'm, I'm like I, I'm covenanted. Like th- these are people I'm going to be with for a long time, and I want to invest in that. And obviously, yeah. there are people that, uh, yeah, that uh, you haven't been able to connect with so much. And that's that's unfortunate. All right, John. Then we got to wrap this thing up. Um, any final words? This is like this is, could be the very first podcast someone listens to in 2021. So what do they need to know? <laughs> What is the solution to have a good 2021 for someone? I think I think your thing on gratitude. I would I would uh, I would yep. make that a daily habit and attend to God. I completely agree with what Jonathan said. My books are the solution. If you want <laughs> to have a good 2021, go buy some of my books and leave a good review. So thanks, Jonathan, for reminding people of that good word. I feel like. I feel like a lot of propaganda just got put in my mouth. <laughs> but you know what's the worst is the media that's always trying to push their stuff. We we hate things like that, yeah. but, you know, a humble podcast. But that not one's my it... books. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Morrison. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.